Welcome to The Interview Show. This is Scott Wood, your host. I am at the Banff World Media Festival 2018, and I'm sitting right across from a very esteemed director. I'd love you to introduce yourself. I'm Jeremy Podesua. Nice to be here. Thank you very much for spending some time with me. How about you let people know a couple of things you've directed that you're proud of? Oh, I guess I'm proud of many things. Uh, most recently, Handmaid's Tale, Game of Thrones, um, <clears throat> Alan Ball's Here and Now on HBO, uh, Six Feet Under, Boardwalk Empire, The Pacific, Dexter, True Blood, American Horror Story. Well, I don't know, lots of things. <laughs> so you're a very accomplished TV director, but you got your start in the Toronto film scene. I was doing a bit of research, and you were part of what's called the Toronto New Wave and the New Queer Toronto Wave scene of the 1990s. So I'd love you to talk a little bit about how a peer group and being part of a scene is great for directors starting out. Oh, I think being part of a scene is so important. Um, I don't think we called it a scene in those days, but maybe being a part of a community. I came out of film school at Ryerson. I had other friends who were at Ryerson and also coming out of other film schools at U of T, York University, um, or just who worked in the industry. And we kind of all found each other at that time in the mid-'80s, I guess. Uh, I'm old. You know, we, uh, we supported each other in a really meaningful way. We would read each other's scripts. So we would help each other make our films, get them off the ground. We would advise each other on edits of our films, uh, Generally, we sort of, we saw ourselves as a community very early on, and um, and I don't think any of us could have done what we did without that group. You know, we shared crew people, we shared information, we I know we really support each other in very meaningful ways, and and that was great. And I don't I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for that strong sense of community. So, can you give me a solid example of one film from that era that you worked on that people don't know you for? Well, I worked on this suite hereafter, um, and I actually worked on Adam McGoin's very first film, Next of Kin. I was the co-production manager on his very first movie. Um, and on uh, the suite hereafter, I did the behind-the-scenes video um, for his thing, like the EPK, what we called in those days. You know, Adam was just a good friend of mine, and he was making this film that, that I knew was going to be a really important and beautiful movie, and he asked me to do it, and I did it, and, you know, was happy to do it. So... Game of Thrones, you directed a lot of the pivotal episodes of season seven. If you could bring one character back from the dead who died, not necessarily in one of your episodes, but in the series, who would that be and why? Well, um, I did actually kill off Littlefinger. And, oh, spoiler alert, sorry, if you didn't see the last episode of season seven. But um, I guess if I had to bring somebody back, I might bring him back. You know, he was such a great character. He was like somebody that sometimes you love to hate and sometimes you just loved him. And he was a really complicated character who did a lot of horrible things, but also really had love for Sansa and Sansa's mother. And so, um, yeah, I think he's like a, was always a really rich character, really fun to work with, and um, just had a lot of colors. I really enjoyed it. And I loved Aiden as an actor, wonderful actor. So you directed a lot of the more controversial episodes from that season, the Sansa rape episode, the Ed Sheeran cameo, the episode where Jon Snow was resurrected. From a director's perspective, though, I'd love you to talk about one scene from that era of Game of Thrones that was challenging for you to create from a script into what we saw. There were so many challenging sequences, really, but I think probably two of the more challenging ones were from the last episode of the last season, episode seven. Um, one was the another spoiler alert, the wall coming down at the end, which was an enormous sequence. Uh, you know, the wall that was meant to be impenetrable suddenly is not impenetrable, and it's taken down by an ice dragon. And when I read the script, I was like, well, what's an ice dragon? What does it look like? And how does this actually happen? And, 
you know, the thing has withstood every you know, possible, you know, threat against it for, you know, millennia. So, you know, how do you depict such a thing? How do you make that believable? So that was a really challenging thing. And it was many months of, you know, planning and storyboarding and discussing with the producers and, um, you know, figuring out how to do it and how, if it was going to be real or visual effects and what are the combination of things. And, you know, so that was like a, that was a really challenging sequence to do and, and, and probably the biggest visual effects sequence that I've ever done. So that was very exciting. Um, the other one was the um, summit between all the characters that takes place in the dragon pit in that last episode where you had almost the entire cast in one space for a very long scene, which is almost a film of its own. It's like a 40-minute sequence or something. And many of these actors had either never worked together before or had um, only, you know, I hadn't worked together for many seasons prior to this. And so it was a reunion of a lot of characters and new unions of many characters. So that was a very exciting thing to do because it was really like doing a big play and, you know, very heavy on dialogue um, and quite static in a way, too. Everybody in this kind of like huge, beautiful amphitheater. But, you know, a lot of internal dynamics and you had to capture every moment and every look and every subtextual thing going on. And, you know, it was, it was an exciting challenge. It was about a week of shooting. But it was also kind of like a party for everybody because it was nice for the whole cast to be together in Spain and doing this fun thing that they never done before. So, yeah, that was a challenge, but it was also a pleasure, too. So I'd love you to talk about the relationship between a TV director and the showrunner. Directors are generally seen as the leaders in the film world, but in TV, it's the showrunner. So I'd love you to talk about a good relationship. And since you're working on Handmade, if you want to, it'd be great to talk about that. Uh, Well, it's a very close relationship. As directors, we're entrusted to kind of interpret the words of the writers in whatever way we think is the most uh, meaningful way. And so, you know, as a director, you have to kind of get inside the head of the showrunner and try to understand their intentions and kind of what they want. And then also bring your own skills and taste and everything to bear on whatever the thing ends up being. So um, for me, it's very exciting to work with really brilliant showrunners. And uh, Bruce Miller, who's the showrunner at Handmaid's Tale, is an amazing writer. And he's created this beautiful thing with the show. So it's very exciting to work with somebody like that because the material that you get is so incredible and is so rich. And so as a director, it's very exciting to do. But, you know, to me, it's like, I don't really think of it so much as a hierarchy because television and filmmaking generally is such a collaborative thing that, you know, everybody is really respected and everybody really has their place in this entire process. And a director couldn't do it without a writer-showrunner and a writer-showrunner couldn't do it without a director. And it's, it's such a symbiotic, interdependent relationship. But it's a really nice one. You've said that a good TV director understands a show that he's working on or she's working on and the show's vernacular and then elevates it in that director's own way. So I'd love you to get specific when you've had to do that in your career. Well, I kind of do it every day. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's no real specific thing, but like that is kind of the job. It's like you take the material and you kind of know what the show is. So you understand the vernacular of the show. You understand the visual language of the show. Um, but you're not kind of like slavishly adhering to a kind of, you know, a rule book of how does something is done. You have to kind of interpret every scene and every show, you know, daily. So... You know, for me, it's always about, you know, kind of like you let the the DNA of the show kind of get into your blood. And so you understand what that show is. And then you just kind of riff on that and you do your best version of what that show is or what that show can be. And so for me, it's always about kind of like stretching and pushing it and pulling it and trying to do something that's really exciting and fresh, but still feels like the show. I mean, if you've broken the, like there is an unwritten contract that it still has to be the show. You can't pull it in a direction it doesn't want to go. But there's a much more latitude within that than people generally think. So, you know, you know, directors can really bring a lot to make to really elevate something and make it a you know really exciting you know version of what the show is. 
You've also said that you like coming to work on new shows because you get a chance to help define that show in some way. So I'd love you to talk about something you're proud to have collaborated on with one of the shows you worked on when it was starting. Well, there, there are many shows that have come on in the first season. Um, you know, Six Feet Under was one of them. Boardwalk Empire was another one. Carnival was another one. Um, so it happens a lot. And, uh, you know, Boardwalk Empire, I think, is a really good example because Martin Scorsese did the pilot, and he's, like, such a unique, you know, filmmaker. And, you know, but, you know, the pilot of that show was, you know, a $30 million pilot that took 30 days to shoot. And then the directors coming after that have to work with much less money, much less time, and do something that it, that is recognizable as the show without, you know, kind of diminishing the quality of the show because of the constraints. And also without, you know, in this case, aping Scorsese, which you can't really do as a filmmaker. You can't, I can't do Scorsese. Only Scorsese can do Scorsese. But I still have to do Boardwalk Empire. So the trick was, how do we find what the language of Boardwalk Empire is without Scorsese and still make it feel like it's the same show, but not like I'm doing a pale imitation of Scorsese. So it's a very unusual challenge, but something that I'm very proud of because I think that show is incredibly beautiful and it it sort of, you know, found its own language after the pilot that was really, you know, inspired by Scorsese, but kind of did its own thing and, um, you know, remained still to this day, I think one of the most beautiful shows ever made for television. So you're a TV director, you're coming into a show, you get your script. I'd love you to walk me through the first few steps in your process. Well, the first step is really absorbing a script in a really deep and meaningful way. So you, you know, I read the script over and over again. I take notes. If, if certain images come to me or thoughts come to me as I'm reading it, I'll jot them down. So just getting really familiar with what the material is. And then you start this whole prep period, which is, you know, kind of meetings with everybody. And you meet with a production designer, you meet with the props people, and you meet with the writer, and you have what they call tone meetings where you talk about the writer's intentions. Um, You meet with the cast and talk to them about what's coming and make sure they're comfortable with everything. You find the locations that are new. You cast new actors that are in that episode. It's, It's an enormous amount of work to be done in prep. Sometimes I feel like, you know, shooting is a relief because, you know, prep is just all over the place and so many things need to get, you know, fixed. But once you're shooting, everything's in place. You just have to get through your day of shooting. And, you know, which is also not so easy. You have to, you know, make decisions 100 times a day and you have to, you know, collaboratively work with people to do this beautiful thing. So, you know, everything's uh, challenging, but it's also fun. But prep period is where it all starts. And, you know, it's really about nailing things down and and, um, figuring out in your own mind what the show is going to be. Jeremy, thank you very much for spending some time with me today. Here's my last question. You've directed some of the biggest TV shows of our era. You've also written films in your past. Would you ever want to helm your own show as a director, writer, showrunner? Um, I am interested in helming a show, but as a producer, director, but not as a writer at the moment. Um, I have written movies, uh, and that's something I'm quite comfortable with. But writing a TV show is a very particular skill set, and... You know, it's really extended storytelling. It's, um, I, I, you know, I kind of, I'm happy to leave that to people who spend their entire lives doing it. Um, it's a really unique talent and skill, I think, that TV writers have when they're really good. And I'm not sure that's really my thing. But the rest of it, yeah, for sure. That's a big ambition of mine. Okay, I lied. That was the second last question. Last question is, you are an expert in television. What do you think is missing from TV right now? Uh, I don't think there's anything missing from TV right now. I think it's kind of like this, the Wild West. It's like this amazing universe of possibilities. You know, TV can contain something like uh, Game of Thrones and Westworld, and it can also do really intimate dramas and and comedies and sophisticated things. And it's I think it's just a great moment. Um, I think now also they're opening up more in terms of diversity, and you're seeing a lot a lot more inclusion and new voices being heard. And 
you know, so I think it's uh, it's a great time. You know, streaming services have really opened up a lot of possibilities, and um, there are many more places to sell something, and there's an, an ever-growing audience for things. People are excited about what's happening in that world. So, yeah, I think it's it's a good time. Thank you very much for being on my show. Thank you. Hey, this is Scott Wood in the studio. I'll leave you with the full version of the song played in the series trailer for The Handmaid's Tale. That song is called Pure as Snow, the Mike Rasnick remix by a band called I Hate You. Just kidding. I'm Scott Wood, and thanks for listening. I'm a director currently working on Handmaid's Tale, and you're listening to The Interview Show with Scott Wood. The Interview Show with Scott Wood.